Good morning, everybody. It, uh, it's always fun to get to be back here with you. It's July, so we must be in upstate New York. Um, so we are always enjoy um, the change of scenery in many ways where my kids can catch frogs in the yard and do things that we don't do in the suburbs. Um, the, uh, the scripture reading this morning is uh, from the book of Acts. We're, we're going to read the, the last verses of chapter 18 and uh, then read the first uh, 20 verses of chapter 19. Um, so to, to set the stage for you a little bit, um, this, uh, this passage comes uh, just at the juncture of, of uh, the end of Paul's second missionary journey and the beginning of his third. Uh, the, the gospel has been on the move, um, going out from the church in Antioch, which was a diverse church of Jews and Gentiles together, and the Holy Spirit had moved um, the church to set apart Paul and Barnabas and to send them on a, a series of missionary journeys going out from Antioch. And, and uh, the gospel has gone to the island of Cyprus and, and through uh, Asia Minor and uh, into Greece. And, uh, and Paul has returned to Antioch and uh, has, is just setting out again. Um, but uh, the Lord is on the move in various ways um, whether or not Paul is there. Um, so we're going to read uh, here from Acts chapter 18 and begin with verse 24, this last story in Acts 18 and moving on to read uh, this larger section of, of chapter 19. So listen to God's word. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. 
There were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years. So that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, They were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Here ends the reading of God's word. Well, you, you've gotten occasional glimpses of my extended family around here. Uh, my, my parents-in-law have two daughters. The, uh, the younger daughter, Leslie, married a wonderful guy um, known well to uh, many of you, uh, a, uh, an engineer who designs nuclear submarines by day and uh, on weekends. Uh, climbs mountains and uh, rebuilds the foundation of his house. He is a very useful son-in-law, always ready to help with uh, projects at his in-law's home, um, competent, strong, and smart. The older daughter married me. My father-in-law comes over to do projects at our house, and uh, I mostly hold the flashlight and run back and forth to get him the next tool that he needs. On, uh, on one occasion, our garbage disposal hadn't been working for a few months. Just up and stopped dead one day. I couldn't think of any explanation for why it would do that. So uh, Leslie and Susan's dad came over and took a look at it for us. It was unplugged. (laughs) I I didn't know that there was an outlet under the sink. It it had never occurred to me. So uh, these are the the sorts of things that make me feel a little inadequate and uh, incompetent. It is more fun to be competent than incompetent. 
But uh, I am working on the assumption. Don't correct me if I'm wrong. I, uh, I, I need to cling to this idea. Um, I'm working on the assumption that all of us are incompetent in one area or another. That, uh, that if we shone the spotlight on the right area in your life, or, or the wrong area, depending on how you look at it, that you also would look and feel uh, inadequate and incompetent. But uh, we learn to go to lengths to avoid those situations that highlight our inadequacies. There are uh, three stories in our passage this morning. Um, Let me propose that the unifying thread among them is inadequacy. In all three stories, we encounter people who are lacking in one way or another. Um, Something is missing. This happens all the time in day-to-day life. You get to know someone a bit and you begin to get a feel for the person. And in some cases, you're really impressed, right? Uh, this, This woman is clearly intelligent. She knows what she is talking about. Um, She's very good at what she does. Or uh, perhaps sometimes as you get to know someone, uh, you become aware that there are deficiencies. Uh, This guy is not quite up to speed in knowledge or skill or social graces. And uh, how, how do we respond to people like that? These interactions, right, are on-the-fly evaluations of people uh, can be opportunities either for pride and uh, unhelpful self-comparison of of tearing another person down uh, in our own minds or, or out loud to other people. Or they can be a context for love to work itself out. Um, Specifically, in these stories in Acts 18 and 19, what is at stake is an inadequate understanding, um, an inadequate grasp of the doctrines of the Christian faith, and uh, especially an inadequate grasp of the person of Christ. Uh, Not merely on an intellectual level, but an understanding of the heart that these things about Christ are relevant for me and are now in the present being worked out with power in the context of my life. Um, Deficiencies in the area of understanding inevitably have implications for living and will show themselves in the normal course of life, in the realm of, of relationships and work. Or uh, to, to put it the other way, where there are apparent deficiencies of life, um, things like an irritable spirit or, or chronic cynicism or financial irresponsibility, um, 
or, or, or even uh, something just like the feeling inadequate to do the thing before you to do, um, uh, to, to speak with your children helpfully about life in, in a way that they can hear. Um, one way to understand it is that these deficiencies, um, some of them are, are sinful, some of them are not, are, are indicative of gaps in our working knowledge of Christ, um, gaps in our understanding. Um, you know, maybe not in your formal theology, but, but in, in that which is more important, your working theology of life, um, what you really believe um, in, in, in the way that you function. Um, and these deficiencies show us that there is more work to do in, uh, in practically applying the knowledge of Jesus into the corners and crevices of our hearts in the midst of real-life circumstances. So, let, let's take these stories one by one. Uh, first, this man, Apollos. And, and what is ironic and, and unexpected here is that Apollos is not a guy at first blush who communicates inadequacy at all. Um, in, in fact, the, the writer of Acts has several very positive things to say about him. He is sharp as a tack. Uh, e even just to say that he is from Alexandria is, is something like saying he's from Princeton or Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, he is well-educated. Um, he's competent in the scriptures. He's accurate and what he teaches. Um, he's even bold and fervent. Um, almost everything you hear about Apollos is extremely positive. Um, but then we read that Priscilla and Aquila took him aside, brought him home, and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Uh, Apollos' deficiencies we're not glaring. But to a wise couple who walked with Christ in maturity, they were aware of an incompleteness to Apollos' teaching, an omission. There is a crucial ingredient missing from the soup. They perceive an inadequacy in Apollos' understanding and recognize that there is a need for further explanations. And what is that in regard to? Uh, verse, verse 25, he knew only the baptism of John. Uh, Apollos needed to be instructed regarding life in the Holy Spirit. He knew the facts regarding Christ, but he was lacking an understanding of the gift of the risen and exalted Christ to his people that by the Spirit, Christ is not just an historical figure, a redeemer in the past, but he dwells in his people in power in the present. Um, transforming your passions and making you new. Um, it would have been a glorious tutorial 
to uh, sit there at Priscilla and Aquila's kitchen table with Apollo. So I wish I had been there. And uh, Luke, as he writes this book, his, his purpose here is not actually to unpack those doctrines in detail for us. Um, but what I think is important is that Apollos, though he knew the things concerning Jesus, um, needed to know the implications of these things for a transformed life. Um, he needed more of Jesus um, through the spirit of Jesus, um, the workings out of the doctrines of Christ for the here and now in power. Second story. Um, Paul arrives in Ephesus following the departure of Apollos for Corinth. We're in chapter 19 now. Um, there is not much of a church in Ephesus at this point. But there is this group of people who in some way are functioning um, 25 years or so after the ministry of John the Baptist, um, still very much under John's influence. And, and this is for them essentially a good and healthy thing. Uh, as far as it goes. Um, they are camping out, apparently, on the level of, of self-reformation, um, seeking to turn in an ongoing way from sin to God. Um, and, uh, and moral conviction and, and concerted effort at life change, these are good things. But somehow they have missed the central principle of John's ministry, his pointing ahead with anticipation to the one who would come after him, um, to the Lord Jesus. Um, so Paul gets acquainted with these folks. He spends some time with them. Um, he begins to ask kind diagnostic questions. And in this way, he comes to an understanding of where the Ephesians are deficient in their understanding. And he is, in, in God's providence, in a position to help them um, fill in the gaps. And, and like Apollos, these men are humble and responsive and thankful for the help. Um, and, uh, and, and indeed, the Lord blesses it with the, the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit to seal um, Paul's teaching and their believing. What was missing for the Ephesians? They needed to understand that the coming of the kingdom that John spoke about it is not about self-effort, self-improvement. Um, the kingdom is all about the king who is at its center. Um, it is all about Jesus. And Progress in life is not just um, moral reformation, but relationship with a person, um, capital P, um, Christ. And baptism is in his name, which reflects the reality of union with him, connection to him, and which is accompanied by the spirit of Christ resident in you. Um, they had 
They had John's teaching about repentance, righteousness, but they had nothing of Christ. And Jesus is what they needed. In, uh, in Ephesus, there, there follows then a great period of exciting growth in the church. Um, many men and women, both Jews and Greeks, were coming to a knowledge of Christ in the city. And now, um, Ephesus seems to have been a, a center at that time of uh, magic arts in, in the first century Mediterranean world. And as the gospel of Jesus comes with power to this place, it is accompanied by an outpouring of miraculous acts which God did, did as an affirmation that Paul's teaching was true and that Christ was more powerful than, than any of the evil spirits, than the dark arts and uh, the lesser spiritual powers um, resident in that city. Um, so, this, so this is the sense of uh, verses 11 and 12 um, where it talks about um, uh, handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched Paul c- coming to the sick and healing them, um, that, that the things that were done there were extraordinary, um, of, of particular note um, in, in the account of, of God's work in Ephesus, um, not typical of what happened in every other city, um, but... but unusual expressions of God's power and grace to that place. And and wonderful things were happening. But but then in this context of of the movement of the kingdom of God in confrontation with with evil, um, there there arises then our our third story, our, our third group of people, who demonstrate an inadequate and deficient understanding of Christ. And uh, it's these guys, the sons of Sceva, who are exorcists, uh, guys who are, who are involved in this spiritual arena. Um, possibly, they, they may have been exorcists for hire, um, men who have carved out a business niche uh, in service to those oppressed by spirits. And, uh, and hearing something of the miraculous acts that are taking place and understanding that uh, they're associated with Paul's preaching about Jesus, they, uh, they begin to incorporate into their repertoire, into their shtick, um, a formula of addressing the spirits in the name of Jesus. And, and this apparently actually works for them for a time until a dramatic incident that exposes the deficiencies in their knowledge of Christ. Apollos and the Ephesians experience the blessing of having their deficiencies brought to light and addressed by kind believers in Christ. Uh, This is not the case for the sons of Sceva, Uh, So, quite the contrary, you can imagine in this encounter with the the man possessed by the evil spirit, um, the the evil light 
in the eyes of this man, boring holes through these guys. And he can see right through them. Hey, this is all pretension, isn't it? You don't actually know him at all. Um, You don't have any idea what you're talking about. Your knowledge of Christ is secondhand at best. You are in way over your head. And uh, instead of kind assistance, the exorcists get get brutal exposure. Um, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And it would have been terrifying to hear it. Um, you know, the, the voice just dripping with contempt. Um, I, I translate it something like, who the bleep are you? This, this contempt and, and, and hatred. Um, and, and their blood had to just run cold with the exposure of their inadequacy, of the insufficiency of their knowledge of Christ and, and it comes with a, a brutal beating and a humiliation. What do these guys need? Uh, what, what is missing for the sons of Sceva? Uh, what's missing is something genuine, anything real. Uh, they, they have this second or third hand knowledge of Christ and it is not remotely enough. Um, they are found without him by the powers of darkness and, uh, and left in a very vulnerable place. What, uh, what do you need? Um, what do I need? We all need a variation on what Apollos needed, of what the Ephesians and the sons of Sceva needed. Um, we need a more adequate grasp of Christ. Uh, as taught in the scriptures. Um, So whether you are secure in Christ, um, bearing the fruit of perhaps decades of walking with him, or uh, relatively new in the faith, or or possibly as yet having a a very incomplete second-hand knowledge of him through others who know him, um, we all need more of Christ. Um, we, we all have deficiencies, places of inadequacy and vulnerability, which would be frightening to have exposed. But, but God does not come to us with a brutal desire to expose us. Um, he comes with gentleness and a desire to extend the resources of Christ to all who acknowledge their need for him. How does that happen normally? Let's go back to the story of Apollos, one of Priscilla and Aquila. This is, this is actually a lovely little story. Um, what happens? A, a woman and a man, married couple, um, tactfully, privately, gently um, show loving hospitality to this Harvard-educated man, right? Uh, Who are Priscilla and Aquila? They are gifted, certainly. They're appreciated very much by the Apostle Paul uh, as uh, fellow workers in Christ, he calls them in Romans 16. 
But they're not apostles. They're ordinary people. Um, Priscilla is a woman, obviously. Uh, Aquila seems to be known and thought of in the church um, most often as Priscilla's husband. Um, Priscilla gets mentioned first with some consistency and uh, and may may very well have been the the more gifted teacher. Um, But uh, at the same time, her ministry is one that she undertakes in partnership with her husband as a married woman and not independent from him. Um, so the, the, the point I, I mean to make is just that, that helping people to lay hold of more of Christ, this is work for all of us. Um, men and women, office holders and ordinary Christians. Paul says in Romans 15:14, addressing the church in general, he says, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge. Um, And and I think maybe, you know, maybe not individually, but corporately, complete. Um, And competent to instruct one another. So the question is, Are you satisfied that this is true of you, Hope Church? Uh, That you too in Christ are full of goodness, um, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Um, I expect that there are many of you who could take me out for a cup of coffee and teach me something about the Lord Jesus from your own experience and, and your, your life of, of meditation in the scriptures. Um, it, it is within the church that the Lord has intended that we should grow in our grasp of Christ. Um, this is how it works. In, in relationship with other people um, and, and ordinary, not particularly... Um, Uh, famous (laughs) people. Um, And and, and so then what is the outcome of Priscilla and Aquila's ministry to Apollos? The man is equipped to be somebody that this fledgling church in in Ephesus is glad to be able to send um, out to be a blessing and a help elsewhere. Um, They pack him off to Corinth with a a warm letter of recommendation, and there he greatly helped those who by grace had believed. So in in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul writes about Apollos' ministry there, that what he, Paul, had planted, Apollos faithfully watered, and God used them both, um, each assigned to his work um, to cause the church to grow. Um, but, but there are these ordinary people back behind that um, who, who equipped Apollos for that part. Um, so in, in all of this, we, we, don't, we don't despise Apollos' Ivy League education, his knowledge of Hebrew, his uh, intelligence and eloquence. These are good things that God has given, um, things that everyone can rejoice in, but at the same time, we affirm that the Harvard graduate can, in God's providence, learn from normal, faithful Christians. 
And uh, in fact, that his ability to do so, his understanding of his need to do so, is a measure of his maturity and wisdom. Right? So it's, it's a simple little story, this account of Apollos with Priscilla and Aquila, but, but it's, it's really delightful and a picture to us of the way that the Lord works to mature his people and to address their inadequacies and deficiencies. So that is the preferable outcome, um, gentle instruction within the context of the church that produces growth and grace. Um, but there is, too, this other possible outcome, which we need to think about a little bit as well, um, which the passage warns us about as it tells us the story about the sons of Sceva. Um, and and th- theirs is a catastrophic scenario. And, and this can be the result for us, too, of playing at a knowledge of Christ that has no real substance to it. Um, and eventually, that lack of substance becomes apparent. Um, you're, um, you're going out to drive, but there is nothing under the hood. Um, there is no substance to my relationship with Christ. It's just what I've heard from other people. Uh, you know, I can talk the talk a little bit, but I have not met him. And, and part of what we need to understand is, that though, though we may not be attempting exorcisms in the neighborhood, and if you are, I discourage it, um, but, uh, but we are nevertheless functioning, each of us, on a bigger stage than we usually realize. Um, your life is significant. It is not just about survival and treading water in the midst of the immediate challenges in front of you. Um, there is cosmic significance to the life that you live on this, this stage. Um, and, and that's not to diminish how you function in response to the challenges of day-to-day life. It's actually to say that, that how you function in the midst of the challenges of day-to-day life is much more important than you know. Um, but uh, you need to take a step back and, and see them in perspective in light of the struggle um, that, that we talk about in Ephesians 6, um, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness. Um, And and one implication of that wider perspective is to realize, holy mackerel, I can't play around at this. I need to know Christ. Um, I I cannot fly by the seat of my pants. I can't fake it. Um, I need Jesus um, to, to do the things that I've been given to do. Um, there's a soberness and gravity that comes from an understanding of the largeness of the stakes of life that, uh, that should drive us to repentance, um, just as it did um, the Ephesians broadly in the city um, following the beating that the sons of Sceva took. Um, the name of Jesus is recognized and feared by the unseen powers of this world. Me, they don't know, um, so maybe I'd better be connected in an alliance with him. The, uh, the healthy fear that, that falls on the community works itself out in this enormous bonfire, right, in, in, in which those who had practiced magic arts burn their books and paraphernalia 
Um, what was that about? Um, they were renouncing their former way of life and choosing Christ. Um, in Philippians 3, Paul says, I want to know Christ. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ, um, fuel for a bonfire. What, uh, what does your inadequacy look like and what is its remedy? We need more of Christ. Um, so will you help each other in that way? Um, you are going through leadership transitions again. And at a time like this, every ordinary Christian's work is that much more important. Um, if you desire more of him, um, you together as a church, this is what you do. He is to be found in the scriptures and in fellowship with one another, um, faithfully pointing each other to him. Um, you, uh, you will not adequately grow in your grasp of Christ if you are isolated from the body of Christ. Um, you just won't. It's not how it works. But within the church, um, this church, in dependence on Christ as each part does its work, it does happen um, with very good results for the good of everyone and the glory of Christ as the knowledge of Christ is brought home in new and powerful ways in the lives of real people. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that, that our need really is for you. We, we acknowledge, too, that uh, we, we very often act as if our need is for something else. Um, but in our sane moments, we know that we need more of you, more of the kingship of Jesus, more of the redemptive power of Jesus working itself out in, in our lives. And we, we seek that today. And Father, I do pray for, for this church that you have built in this place. And I do pray that in the, the weeks and months ahead that they would be characterized by very sweet fellowship and pointing each other to Christ and uh, learning from one another and uh, finding more of you as they seek you together. And in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.